Welcome to the Perimenopause Power Podcast. We are Lisa and Natalie, two certified holistic health coaches passionate about helping women embrace their physiology to elevate their highest potential for confidence, health and energy. Perimenopause will be unique to you and each episode gives you the power in knowing that you can define your own journey. Let's get into today's episode. Well, hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Perimenopause Power. We are super excited for this episode because we have the wonderful Dr. Fatima Khan speaking with us today. Now, Dr. Fatima Khan is a highly skilled perimenopause and menopause specialist with a holistic approach to women's physical, emotional, and mental well-being. Dr. Fatima has an advanced menopause certification accredited from the British Menopausal Society and Faculty of Sexual and Reproductive and Healthcare of the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. This was achieved after training extensively at King's College London, which is a tertiary referral centre for menopausal women with complex medical backgrounds. Hello, Fatima. Good morning, everyone. And thank you, Natalie and Lisa, for having me on your podcast. We're very excited to have you on. We are thrilled. (laughs) (laughs) We have, we obviously, we connected with our World Menopause Day panel last year in October 2021 and we have just loved your work and sing your praises very often so we feel very grateful to have you on our podcast today. Yeah. Yeah, oh the feelings are mutual and I'm congratulations on launching your podcast because obviously this wasn't the case last day October so well done on raising awareness on this issue that is not spoken about. Mm, don't we know it thank you so much (laughs) so we'd love to kick off with learning a little bit more about you and in particular your passion for your work around menopause and and really just deep diving into you know what what drives you each day working with women um, through this phase of life so I think the fundamental thing is there's such lack of awareness on this topic so I see a lot of women suffering in silence They'll go to their healthcare professional, they'll Google, they don't really know what's happening with their mind, their body, and there's this kind of lack of control, or a lot of women will say, I don't feel like myself anymore. And so I practice menopause medicine and perimenopause, where I allow women to start feeling like themselves again. So I have the most rewarding job because I'll see them and they'll come to their follow up and say, I haven't felt like this in 10 years or 20 years. So I feel like I'm in a very privileged position to make that difference. Uh, in women's lives but it kind of stemmed from my own probably two decades of hormonal imbalances and roller coaster and I've mentioned this before I was diagnosed with peacocks when I was 19 and um, I really uh, when it was 20 years ago when it was diagnosed no one knew how to treat it it was just considered someone who is having irregular periods, has a bit of acne, is overweight, and that's it. And they will just put you on the pill. And I didn't really want to go on the pill. So um, I kind of, kind of, you know, um, went along, um, suffered with all these symptoms for a decade until um, I gave birth to my daughter when I was 30. And postnatally, uh, I had really heavy, irregular bleeding. And they did a scan and they found my lining to be really thickened and which is a common issue with women who have heavy bleeding. And they thought I had endometrial cancer and they did um, a correct and hysteroscopy and it was all fine. And only after 10 years, uh, and I'm a doctor, okay, and I've seen people, a gynecologist and endocrinologist, only about a decade ago, someone told me, you can manage this with lifestyle interventions. You Mm. can change the way you eat 
eat a more low glycemic diet, eat foods that don't provoke the insulin response and do more strength training. So improve your muscle strength and reduce your stress. So I started to work with a nutritionist who helped me with this. And I went from someone who used to get four cycles a year um, to 40 day cycles from just looking at how I was eating, how I was sleeping, managing my stress um, and also movement. So I think the power of these fundamental lifestyle interventions are so important in balancing hormones. And I've done that and it works really well. And I did that for probably a, another decade until I probably 37, um, I started to notice I was starting to just no change in my diet or my food was starting to skip my periods for no reason, but I didn't really pay attention. I had a lot of stress at the time with some lifestyle issues going on with family and work. And so you ignore your body. So I didn't realize I'd missed my period for six months. And then suddenly I started getting joint pain and itchy skin and, you know, uh, vaginal um, dryness and thrush and bladder infection. I never paid any attention to it because I've never had these symptoms. And then my mood one day um, was so low that I remember looking outside the window and feeling like if I feel like this, I would actually jump off the balcony. Oh, wow at that moment and I actually picked up the phone and called my husband and said okay I'm feeling a bit weird um and I just had a chat with him but I was quite able to I had good insight because I've done lots of psych and I was able to detach and be like something's not right and then I realized that there's this is some form of mental health that's going on I need to address this and I had some CBT which is cognitive behavioral therapy and other therapy but I wasn't depressed. You know, I didn't feel depressed. I hadn't had a reason to feel depressed, but I started to get breathlessness and like weird and wonderful symptoms of anxiety, which I have never experienced. I'm not generally an anxious person. And only then I realized that actually I've not had a period and my estrogen was very low. Um, and obviously they said, take the pill. And I have never taken the contraceptive pill my entire life. Um, and so I tried a bit of HRT and it didn't really help me. Um, and I went back to the fundamentals of, okay, let's focus on my strength training, my stress management. I did some mindfulness, a bit of yoga. I'm a big fan of hypnotherapy as well. Um, and then focus back on looking after myself through food and movement. And I started to get a slightly regular cycle. That it's still not back to normal. But I think the story going back is, if you've got someone who's got peacocks and there's a change in your physical and emotional health, think of perimenopause because everyone thinks peacocks is someone who's got high estrogen, which is the case. But when it you do get low estrogen, but it gets missed completely, mm. um, which is what happened to me and lots of other women. Peacocks affects 30% of women. So when you're going from peacocks to perimenopause, which is generally low levels of estrogen and fluctuating uh, progesterone, you are going to miss that and no one will listen to you. So when I went to see my healthcare professional, they said, you just need antidepressants, manage your stress and gave me the pill, which I knew would work short term. So, um, but that wasn't the way I like to do things. So it doesn't align with my value system. I think the bodies are very powerful tools to heal themselves when you give them the right tools and the right environment. So then I kind of stripped back and had to work really hard to get everything back in order. Um, so yes, that's my little bit of long-winded history. 
No, we, we love that. And, you know, I think what we find is that women really connect with the stories of other women and, you know, they appreciate that everybody has gone through a journey and gone through, you know, a level of learning and, you know, especially for Lisa and I too, a lot of our passion comes from our own personal experiences too and, and coming back into our body. And, and Lisa, you know, you're right smack in the middle smack of, in there. Yeah. of perimenopause. <laughs> and so it's, you know, women connect with that, don't they? Yeah, they do. They do. And they love hearing that that experience or what you're going through. Just, you know, they know it's ahead of them and um, just hearing about it and how you cope with it is really powerful. Yeah, and I think the, the other trouble is um, I'm a big, I always say mental health or hormone health is your mental health. If you have yeah. poor hormone health, you have poor mental health. And by mental health, I don't just say low mood, anxiety. I also mean cognitive health. So that's our executive function, memory, recall, um, and making decisions and self-doubt. And I found that I, I couldn't work full-time. I had to cut back on my work because... I would stop mid-sentence and couldn't complete my sentence. I couldn't get the right words. I couldn't recall the name of drugs and symptoms because that's what happens when your estrogen drops. So there was a big, I literally thought I had Alzheimer's or dementia and I'm only 38. So no one's going to think you've got perimenopause or menopause. And this is the issue where we need to just listen to women and not put them in these boxes. Because if you are going to go through the menopause at 43, 44, your perimenopause journey will start in your mid to late 30s. Yeah, definitely. So it's just normalizing that conversation that if you're noticing shifts in your mental health and cognitive health, that is your hormones fluctuating and you need to pay attention rather than just push through it, which is what we're kind of designed to do and told mm -hmm. to do by our society. Yeah, we tend to do that every day of our lives, don't we? And we had a we had a workshop earlier this week and um, that's, you know, we were talking about that busyness of life and that we're so good at caring for everyone else. We don't actually stop and care and, you know, get that self-care and listen to the messages in our body that it's trying to send to us as well. Yeah, so I always say it's like, you know, when a plane is about to crash, they'll tell you to put your oxygen on yes. your child and it's the same thing. So if you are not looking after your physical and emotional needs, you are unable to care for effectively uh, for the people and the loved one around you. So it's not an act of selfishness. It's actually an act of love to try and give yourself some time. But I think it just, again, goes back to that shift in your 20s and 30s. You're able to work full time and run around and be really busy and you'll be fine. But the problem is our body and the physiology changes in our late 30s and early 40s. We may not have the same physical and emotional resilience. So your emotional, physical resilience going down, yet your demands of your body is that really high up there. So I think it's just accepting that our body is changing. It's not a sign of weakness. It's just a shift. You know, we the demands that you had from your body in your 20s and 30s, you can't have the same demands in your 40s, but we are entering our 40th decade with the same if not more demands and this is why there's a burnout there's a chronic low-grade burnout in women in the early 40s because they're working full-time they're doing the housework they're looking at the kids I think this is where maybe feminism has kind of slightly gone wrong where mm. we thought we can do everything that was never really the argument it's about equality intellectually not necessarily physically mm. so you know, when I was growing, I was like, you can have it all, but actually you don't necessarily need to have it all. 
you need to have what you really want and do that really well than rather than doing everything. So it's like you're doing three times as much as your male counterparts now in life. They just go to work, come back, might do a bit. But actually, most women, if you speak to them, you know, it's like burning the candle on both ends. Mm. And so we need to change that narrative and be like, it's okay to say you're going to reduce your working hours or not do those house chores and delegate a bit more because you need to especially in your 40th decade otherwise things are not going to go in your favor yeah I actually think it's so well put I actually think we should tweak that around to say you can have it all to you know you can choose what it is that you want to do you know so that all the options are there but you don't necessarily have to feel compelled to do everything but you're exactly right because men have never had it all it's you could say it's a man's world but they've never did everything let's be honest mm. they just do one thing mm. and so they might you know if you work in a corporate work you go to work you come back if you work as a trader you might do your lecture but they never did everything they never did the housework the cleaning the childbearing so i don't know where this narrative we've just lost it mm. where we're trying to be equal by doing everything that a man does Plus everything a woman does, why would you triple your workload in all aspects of life? So I think you've just got to choose what is it that you need to do and accept and be happy with that rather than competing what men are doing. I think it's, it's we shouldn't be competing with men because we are not men. Our biological physiology is very different. It's about doing things that you can do and the sky is the limit, but you, you basically don't need to do it all. And because yeah. you can't do it all, if you no. think you can do it all, I think that's where there's an issue. Um, asking for help, delegating and support is really important when you're navigating the responsibilities of women in this world. Mm. Yeah, so so beautifully put. And yeah, it's it's spot on. And, and we talk a lot about that, you know, um, reconnecting with your values, reconnecting with what's important to you, a- acknowledging what you're saying yes to, but also looking at, you know, what is it you're saying no to? Mm-hmm. And is it the things you're saying no to? Are they the things that you really want to be doing? And, you know, we can very much set bra- boundaries without, you know, impinging on anyone else or looking like we're a bad person because we're looking after our own interests. You know, again, women, we've got this mentality that if I'm not out there pleasing everybody, well, you know, I'm going to be a bad friend or I'm a bad mother. But it's like, well, you know, you've got to set boundaries because at the end of the day, it's it's your health, isn't it? Yeah, I guess it just goes back to that. You know, it's it's difficult because we have this narrative woman being really kind, really compassionate, caregiving, and then shifting into a workplace and in this world where you want to do everything but we say yes to everything Mm -hmm. so we're saying yes to everything at work yes to everything in our social life and our home life and so we're just burnt out you can't do that no one does that Mm -hmm. so I think it's just choosing things and I think you know um the Gen X and the Gen Z and all these much younger people are a lot more smarter than us Mm -hmm. Because they've got it right. They've got their principles of looking after their mental health, doing mindfulness and uh, getting their sleep right. They're much more smarter than us. I think our generation was all about push, 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 mind over body. And that's great. But then, you know, the body keeps scores. Eventually, the body will start to decompensate and essentially fail you because you haven't looked after itself. You have to nourish this vehicle that we're experiencing this world in. And I think it's just, it's sometimes we got to wait for a bad medical diagnosis before we do that. You know, something yeah, it's like that wake up call, call, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. When yeah, and and you know, a lot of what I read and research too, it talks a lot about, you know, picking up from what you said, a lot of women coming into this time of their life where they're even nutrient deficient, you know, just those basic nutrients that they need to really support their bodies as they go into the next phase of their life. They're just not there. And and some of them, it's no fault of their own. They just don't really know. Yeah, I think it's a lack of education and it's just um, you just continue like you did in your 30s into your 40s. And I think the message is you can't do that. You can't skip your breakfast, survive on a coffee and croissant. That's the worst combination of adrenaline, caffeine and cortisol and mm. then sugar levels going up and down. Then you have a hypo. Then you grab another snack on the go. You're rushing in your car. It's this perfect storm of cortisol, estrogen. Normally, a progesterone would drop in the perimenopause, um, which is normal because progesterone is really produced after we ovulate to get pregnant. Yeah. But normally, our egg reserve is going down and the quality of eggs going down. We're not really looking to get pregnant. So that's a normal physiological response. But progesterone is a calming hormone for a lot of women. And so if you don't have enough progesterone your general baseline cortisol will go up your estrogen becomes a bit more prevalent and then you start noticing those rage and mood changes premenstrually and the breast tenderness and um, your typical pms symptoms and bloating and then you'll have that relief so again going back to your fundamentals if you two weeks before your periods start looking at things like really doing more if you're a runner, then look at things like yoga, Pilates, low intensity work, looking at stress management, making sure in the evenings you're giving enough adequate time off screens, doing things to really bring that cortisol drive down, eating more nourishing, lots and lots of plant-based food with good sources of protein, cutting back on sugar and processed foods, because it's like this vicious cycle that you will get sugar cravings, but that's because if you have your morning cereal or croissant then you get a dip in your sugar level then you want to eat a sugary bar you've skipped a meal so we want to really focus on really level glucose blood sugar levels so that starts with good amount of fiber and protein and looking at healthy fats so i think a lot of women in the 40s just don't have time to do that because mm -hmm. they're just trying to get out of the door in the morning rushing through that getting back getting the meals in for the family so if you don't invest in your health in your early 40s, you're really going to pay for the consequences later on. Mm. And it's the sandwich generation where you're looking after, you've got teenage kids at home. Most women in their late 40s, when they're going through perimenopause and mid 40s, now actually have kids under five. And then you also have your caregiver for your elderly parents. So mm. you, they might have Alzheimer's, they might be in a nursing home or they might, might be at home and they needed to go do their groceries. So here you are rushing around and your own mental and physical health is suffering. So actually you need to just step back and say, and I think in our mid thirties to late thirties, we need to start preparing for this decade between 40 and 50 and really, really focus on the fundamental of nourishing through food, through the right movement, through the right stress management, mindset, community. These are the fundamentals of longevity and good health. Oh, well, Nat, do we emulate with that or not? Oh, my goodness, yes, you, you speak our language. <laughs> yeah. and it, it is so refreshing as well to speak to a doctor who has that that approach and mm. that mindset um, because, you know, per personally, our own personal experiences, we haven't, you know, had that. So it's, yeah, it's really refreshing. Yeah, unfortunately, medicine where, you know, I always say in medical school, we don't get taught about nutrition 
and the impact of our environment and lifestyle. It's it's a it's a um, symptom and drug based system. Um, but I guess for me, I've had to really focus on this for my own hormone journey because I think a lot of the hormonal imbalance are through lifestyle imbalances, mm. um, and it's this go go narrative that we could do it all and and that's what I was like I was a perfectionist and I actually did everything really well and I performed really well under stress but then of course mm. your body will decompensate you can't maintain that kind of momentum throughout so um I think the shifting in mindset the responsibilities and the roles of a woman getting rid of a lot of that guilt the expectations the boundaries um and yeah I think that that narrative is changing but I also think we we say in medicine, it's interesting, we say these are alternative therapies. So say nutrition, supplements, um, acupuncture, Chinese. Have, but I don't think they're alternatives. Alternative means one or the other. For me, even when my patients who are taking hormone replacement therapy, these are complementary therapy. I encourage them to take certain supplements like magnesium and taurine, which are very calming, take the vitamin D, work with the naturopath for their gut health or their liver health if there's an issue. Um, some women find acupuncture really useful, cognitive behavioral therapy, hypnotherapy. There's a lot of trauma that resurfaces in the perimenopause. And I think it's because when your progesterone and estrogen is dropping, your body's is uh, has an inflammatory response mm. um so there's a low-grade inflammation happening because it's a low-grade stress to the body and when we're stressed we go to our amygdala which is our kind of evolutionary there to protect us so i think we tend to resurface some of our um maladaptive behaviors from childhood or other things that we might have happened when some traumatic experience happened to us so a lot of women will resurface these things to them and we need to address those hidden traumas or bad things that have happened to us. And that could be anything. It doesn't have to be a bad marriage or alcoholic father or something negative happening. It could be something simple as uh, a playground fight or someone yeah. might have told you your body doesn't look the right shape or you've got a funny nose. You know, when we're younger, we take these things and have ish really take them to heart and um start at this narrative that we're not good enough or um we we don't we get low self-esteem and low self-worth as a result which can again resurface in the perimenopause and menopause so i think working with mindset the self-limiting beliefs i see a lot of emotional eating with women they start feeling really um, in a victim mindset so you know they're just eating the wrong foods and they know it's no one wants we all know we're smart what do you do for a 45 year old who knows for 25 decades what she needs to be moving, she needs to be eating right. But what's happening deep down? Why are they not changing these behaviors which are self-sabotaging their future health and current health? So the mindset work is really important as well because you can't change those behaviors unless you really know what the root cause is. And 90% of it is unconscious in your subconscious yeah. mind. So that's why sometimes hypnotherapy is very effective for those women who possibly are numbing those feelings and emotions through food, alcohol, it could be multiple other ways. Mm. Mm. So protective. And, and the thing is, I think a lot of women don't really understand the protective effects of those hormones that it, that it has on so many other body systems of their, you know, not, not just from the reproductive point of view, but, you know, how that really feeds into our mental health, our joint health and our heart health and all those type of things. So that's a bit of a, 
um, another light bulb moment when you talk to women about that as well. So obviously you would see a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you were to look back, women's our lifespan. So women in Australia, they live on average 85 years. So if menopause is on average 50, you're going to spend anything between 35 to 45 years after menopause. And we know that the decline in estrogen has um, impact short term on your physical and emotional health but we know it increases your risk of chronic disease such as heart disease osteoporosis and cognitive decline now um estrogen is a is a main point uh missing part of the puzzle for a lot of women we know estrogen is protective for our bone health brain health and heart health and we know you can reduce death from heart disease up to 50 percent if you mm. take estrogen but it's only 50 percent. the other 50 percent is your again your movement your food your lifestyle and your genetics um we when we're talking about why manage the menopause? I always say to women, the key is short term if you're getting really terrible symptoms. So they're not just hot flushes and night sweats and sleep disturbance. If you're getting the emotional symptoms, so anxiety, mood changes, cognitive symptoms, you can't function in your personal life and work life. You need to obviously do something to help with that. Mm. Um, and also we have some future benefits for preventing, preventing chronic illnesses such as dementia, osteoporosis and heart disease. And the hormone replacement therapy that we use these days is nothing like what we used to use 20 years ago. We're using more plant extracted hormone therapy. It's replacing like for like what your body had. Um, and so a lot of women will notice immediate relief in their symptoms uh, with the future benefits as well. So I think with the right kind of hormone replacement, if that's the route you want to go for, if your symptoms are warranting that um, intervention, then they are safe to take for as long as you need to be on them. Yeah, that's interesting. So, uh, you know, often a lot of women sort of think, well, when should I, when should I consider it? When should I consider MHT? And, um, you know, a few of those symptoms, the hot flushes, a uh, bit of the brain fog, the night sweats is something really that can be um, possibly managed through lifestyle. But once it gets a lot more difficult or um, uncomfortable for the, for the woman, that's, obviously more of a, a precursor to considering NMHT is there is there a is there a you know a, a great time to start or is there a too late time to start MHT if women are interested in 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 adding that to their their management it goes back to how is it impacting you so we know 30 percent of women will experience severe symptoms and remember the average menopausal symptoms will last seven years yeah and the perimenopause can start five years so you're looking at really from 40 to 60. Mm. So anything from 10 to 20 years. Now, if the symptoms are impacting your mental health, you're getting anxiety, you're getting mood disturbance, you're getting cognitive symptoms where you're forgetting your keys and leaving um, your phone in the fridge. <laughs> or I had a patient who left the house keys in the dishwasher, you know, so that, and then she couldn't get into a car, couldn't drop the kids. You can't have that happening, right? Yeah, so it's yeah, all yeah. about how these symptoms are impacting your life. Are they interfering with your everyday um, errands and activities? Are they preventing you from doing the things you want to do? Are they stopping you from exercising because you've got such bad joint pain? Are you feeling so fatigued because you've woken up every hour with drenching night sweats and mm. bed sheets are being changed that you can't? even wake up in the morning and you can't even consider moving. So, you know, it's a spectrum. Some women might get a few very low intensity, a bit of fan and no doona will help them. And some women won't. So what one woman's experience is, 
um, of the menopause, it's going to be very different for another. So you've got to look at how this is affecting you. And then I, all I would say is just don't put up with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, give yourself three to six months, do all the right things, eat the right foods, do the lifestyle thing, because they are your fundamentals. But if you're finding that, no, this is, you know, I'm finding my mood is really bad. I'm, I'm getting really irritable. It's impacting my relationship with my partner. It's impacting my relationship with my kids. Um, they have good insight into their behavior and their ability to not function, then you need help. So if you're not functioning your best, then you need help. Yeah. Amazing. Mm, Really good advice. And you're so right. You know, a lot of women tend to think that what's worked for someone will work for me, or if it doesn't work for me, then what's wrong with me. And, you know, we talk about it all the time that yes, there are, you know, what 30 plus symptoms you can get as a result of um, perimenopause, menopause, but, you know, women, we're unique, we're different to each other. And so no woman's experience is going to be the same. And, it, and it's exploring that, isn't it? It's appreciating that, yes, I'm my own entity and, you know, I have to see what works for me. And, uh, you know, you epitomise that um, through your own personal experience as well. And for us too, personally, mm. you know, we've, we try lots of things. And, and also I just want to add too, it doesn't matter, you know, what experience that you have or skills, you know, we're forever a work in progress. And we always talk about that too. So, you know, change is, is inevitable, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. And it's a process. It's a journey. And it sounds really cliche, but literally even the patients who come to see me, the women, I'll say to them, this is a process. We're going to see what works for you. Something might help some things might not help and what works for one woman might not work for you because you're not that woman so the problem is when it comes to hrt the women are so scared so they look at their friends and family and women in the community but the thing is everyone is so lost and there's so much misinformation Mm. uh, about it so they don't necessarily go and take um that step to go and get help Um, but i think from podcasts like yours and lots of others, women are now feeling the confidence. Well, I don't have to feel like this. There is a solution. We need to be more problem solving and solution based when it comes to the menopause than saying, we're just going to put up with it. And you can't do that. When I was growing up, um, most women would have had their babies in their 20s. By 45, their kids would have left university. So when they experience the menopause, they're retired and they would be having going on a cruise. This yep. is what I used to remember. Yep. So, of course, if you're going on a cruise, you're relaxing, you're chilled out, you're not working. That's not the case now. The, the modern woman now is getting married late 30s. Majority of my patients have their kids at 40, 42. So when they hit 48, they've got kids under 10. They haven't even hit double-digit numbers yet. Yeah. So they can't afford to be waking up every hour and feeling groggy and having joint pain and having brain fog. They can't function. So... What served our moms and our grandparents, uh, grandmothers, it's not going to serve us. You've got to change the narrative. If there's a blackboard or whiteboard, you need to rub whatever we heard about the way we manage this. And there has to be a new narrative about how we manage this phase. And it needs to be that of support, non-judgment and self-compassion. Because if you don't have all those three things, um, we're not really going to be able to support their emotional health as well. Physical health is fine, but we've got to look after the mental health of these women as well. Mm. It's it's interesting. I love how you just explained that because perimenopause for a lot of women now can, can collide with when they're having their children as well. So, and and then you wonder, it's obviously tricky also around that time if, if you're starting to get some irregularities 
around being able to conceive to have children. It's just a whole new ball game, isn't it? It is. I see very often women who've had IVF, 38, 39, have the baby, and then that's it. They never have a period afterwards. Mm. The fact that they're having IVF also tells me that their ovarian reserve is very low. So their egg quality and um, reserve is low. So they are going to go through a menopause, like the early perimenopause or menopause. So um, they will not start the perimenopause in their 40s a bit earlier. Um, I just think there's so much educational work that needs to be done mm-hmm. around this and podcasts like this creates that awareness. But I think the main thing is just that narrative that you don't have to be old. <laughs> you can start in your late 30s and early 40s. So like for me, uh, it was a big shock to the system with someone who's always had slightly higher estrogen because of the peacocks. Um, peacocks generally a, is an anovulatory problem. You don't produce enough progesterone and estrogen is normally a good level, but women will in their 30s start dropping that and that's not recognized mm, mm. because they would normally be taking the pill and that's that would right. be masked. Yeah. Um, and so you have that substitution, but a woman who's not taking pill, it's an issue. So um, I think it's just recognizing symptoms, going back to spending time with yourself and not being so busy, to change the narrative of this busy busyness needs to go away now. It's not cool to be rushing and being busy and cutting off. And we need to go back every day. For me, journaling really helps. It just realigns my thoughts and my emotions every day. It makes me more present. It draws me in when my mind is racing at 110 kilometers. So like, okay, how am I feeling today? What's happening? How did I eat? Was I a bit grumpy? Okay, what's going? What's bothering me today? Okay, there's something that's really um, uh, I need to address. It could be a something's bothering me with my relationship at workplace and nipping it in the bud. But if you don't do that daily reflection, it just carries on from one day to yeah. another for the whole month. And then you've got this something's bothering you, but you don't really know what it is. Um, you've got all these symptoms, but you don't know what they are because you're not paying attention. It's going back to that trusting your own intuition and I think as women we've had we we live in a chronic disconnect from our mind and body um and so a lot of women don't even know what's happening to them Mm. because we're so busy just getting on with doing things so uh, it's about learning how to reconnect to our emotions our thoughts and our physical health to optimize our overall health and if you don't do that if you don't if you are unaware of what you're feeling and what's happening in your body how are you even going to seek help Oh my God, there's so many aha moments in what you're saying. Uh, you know, and I suppose one of the things that as you're talking through, it's like it's, it's education, isn't it? Like, where do you see, um, you know, where do you, from your experience, where do you see that education, education that we need to change, you know, starting? Is it is it back in the schools that we need to start this now? Like, you know, we have the normal biology. I remember at school there was the normal biology that you, you'd learn about the menstruation cycle, but that's where it stopped. Like, you know, I'd love to hear your views on what you think could happen or, you know, I think I read in the UK, if I'm correct, they've just introduced um, elements within um, medicine training that are around um, uh, menopause as well. Is that what your understanding is? Yeah. So I think we talk about reproductive health uh, in schools, in biology, Mm. how we create a baby, (laughs) Um, 
and we have an understanding that puberty is a time when you have fluctuating hormones and we're so patient we're so kind mm-hmm. we're so non-judgmental to this we let them sleep we let them be grumpy and we let them have time to just experience those emotions and support them we need to do the same in the perimenopause yes and it starts back at school it's understanding that okay menopause is the end of your reproductive life you stop having a period which means the phase before that 40 to 50 um you will have fluctuating hormone levels which cause changes in menstrual cycle changes in mood changes in physical health and how we can support that so it needs to be part of an education from women understand their reproductive lifespan Mm. which is this is how i'd feel in my puberty this is how i'm going to feel when i get pregnant postnatally and there's a lot of information about that i always say to my patients We know when we're going to get pregnant, we're going to have a change in our mood. We're going to have a change in our appetite. We're going to have a change in our body shape. No one is judgmental about the bump that we start to grow and the stretch marks. It's part. And everyone talks about it quite happily. And everyone talks about it. Everyone's patient about it. But guess what? That's going to end at nine months. But the menopause doesn't, okay? (laughs) The menopause takes seven years. So there's such lack of awareness and support. And I think we need to educate men because more recently Mm -hmm. I've had some men making appointments for my patients. And the woman will say, my husband Googled and found you because um, they are so confused. Like for a lot of the women, this is a space that they actually don't even know what's happening. If you don't, if you're not very connected to your body and don't really know what's happening, when this happens, you just think you're going crazy. Literally, this is what they'll experience. Yeah. They think they're going crazy. There's something wrong with them. They, they don't even know where to start. And so it's normally you're, your your sibling or your loved one or the people around you will say you know what Natalie or Lisa or Fatima this isn't your baseline there's something not right um you're going through the perimenopause let's try and get you some help and I think we need to normalize that conversation and recognizing the people around and recognize women between 40 and 50 will go through this phase just like puberty um some people call it reverse puberty and say okay let's get you some help Mm. let's look at what we can do naturally or with uh hormone therapy how we can support you but that we're so far away from that at the moment yeah we don't recognize that and no one's connecting the dots at the moment with these changes no don't we know that Mm. we've had some conversations this week around that and you know uh just programs that that you know they haven't even thought about um menopause in the workplace and and you know that's probably not likely to happen we've been told for three to four years it's like that's just crazy, you know, and that's where a lot of our work is, um, is working with workplaces in, in trying to normalise that. And we've had amazing chats with um, corporates and there's been men in there and they thank us after we've had the discussion of running through some basics. And it's like, oh, my goodness, like that is so good. I, 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 I better understand what my mother, my daughter, my wife is going through. So it definitely needs to change. Sorry, Ned, I've well, I think menopause yeah. impacts men and society more than it impacts women in a yes. way because yeah. the woman will experience it and they'll get treatment, but actually it's a huge loss to the workforce. It's a huge mm. loss to communities. And I always say we need to, um, women in the workplace between 45 and 55 is the largest and the fastest growing demographic. So you've got women with two decades of experience giving up their jobs, changing careers, when actually this is the time when they want to contribute the most, the kids have gone to uni, they're like, okay, great. And you want that workforce retention. And we want that participation in our communities because when we know women are making decisions, 
They make sustainable decisions that actually improve our communities, our societies, and make this world a better place. And if you want this world to be an equal place, mm. we need women making decisions in leadership roles. But that's not going to happen because women experience menopause between 45 and 55, which is when they're trying to get those executive roles. And I see it all the time that they're due to have a promotion or due to get that CEO position or C-suite position, and they won't get it because they will actually decline it because they'll say, I cannot function mm. mentally with the demands of the job. Um, and the woman who will take a bit of hormone replacement therapy and testosterone, which is also very helpful for libido, but it helps with cognitive function and mood, find that they will take those chances and those risks. Um, so I think there's so much that needs to be done in that demographic. But the reason we need to have uh, the talk about menopause in the workplace and society, because if you want to change as well to make this a better place, we need equal representation of men and women in making decisions in government, politics and leadership roles. And unless you address what's happening in a woman's life, uh, which menopause coincides when they'll be taking those leadership roles, we are never going to make this world an equal place because you're actually not addressing the key biological transition a woman is experiencing. Um, and so we're excluding them and we're losing out as a society and as a world uh, by not having this equal representation for women in this demographic. Mm, yeah, so true. And just the fire in my belly is burning bright. <laughs> That's because... why I'm quipping there because I know you've got something to say. <laughs> no, it's just, it, it is. It's, yeah. it's so very true. And, um, you know, we, we have some pretty big visions and aspirations to, you know, really try and bring this into workplaces and, and bring this into the community because we believe, you know, so much in it. And I can, you know, I'm, I turned 40 in December and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm closer to perimenopause and I am away from it. But, you know, for me, I feel that, yes, you know, my daughter's a little bit more independent, so I'm ready to come into my career and just go, you know, bang. But I think, you know, for those women that are in perimenopause and want have those same aspirations, you know, it's just, it's like loggerheads, isn't it? Trying to, you know, move forward when you keep going two steps back and, and, and it's out of your control, right? Because we know menopause is not a medical condition. We share that often. It's a natural, normal part of being a woman and we have to normalize it. It's, mm. it's part of who we are. And, and yet I wonder if sometimes I really wonder if, if workplaces are actually making that connection. And if they made that connection, they could actually support those amazing women that have that two decades of experience to keep them going and there's so much they can do like it's not that they can't do the job they just need the support to be able to do that and get on with it you know mm, yeah yeah for sure yeah and I think all it takes I uh, you know sometimes when I talk and I say it's actually more important for every man to know because as a man your wife is going to experience this or your partner your sister your mother and a work colleague mm. um you know, if you're a manager and you're a male, it's your responsibility to understand that the menopause is going to impact this woman's performance and productivity. That's all the workplace. I know a lot of them are concerned about productivity, but if you want to have a productive workforce, you've got to look at what's happening in women's life and menopause is important. So Fatima, thank you. We have absolutely loved this conversation. And just for our final question, you know, this podcast is all about helping women to find their power, accept the phase that they're in, uh, nurture and, you know, use their personal power as they transition through perimenopause. You know, we'd love to know from you, what does coming into your own power mean to you? 
For me, it's trusting my intuition, reconnecting to my body and mind and trust myself. And I think along the way, as women, we've forgotten how to do that. We're so busy listening and being told what to do. Part of it's part of the patriarchy that was initiated a few decades ago, where it's it's kind of, uh, we are told how to live our life and what we should be doing. And I think when you just need to strip it back. And for me, it's about what is it that I want to do? What brings joy to my life? And what are my physical and emotional needs? And not really caring about what other people say about it because I'm not them recognizing your own authentic and unique needs uh, and having that self-belief that it's okay to care for myself and look at my own needs and trusting my own instinct uh, because I haven't done that in the past. I've kind of just look around for reassurance. What's everyone else doing? Uh, what should I be working as? What should I be believing at? And then just going back into, um, I think, just connecting with your own value and belief system. I would say my... I've had a pretty strong value system, but our value system don't really talk about our physical and emotional health. Yeah. It talks more about things like how we live our life. Uh, but I think as women, we need to go back into trusting ourselves. We've just lost that ability to believe in ourselves and trust our intuition. Mm. Yes, very true. And I love sharing this equation that, you know, our beliefs equal our thoughts, equal our feelings, equal our actions. And, you know, what we think, what we feel, what we do all does come back to the, that belief system, to those values, you know, to things that we um, value as important or want to do. So, yeah, very beautifully well said. Now, if our listeners want to connect with you, where can they connect with you, either in person or online? So my Instagram's got lots of information. So it's all evidence-based education. Uh, there's lots of information on all the fundamental pillars of good health that we've discussed and also hormone replacement therapy because I know a lot of women have lots of questions about that, including the risk and the benefits, and it's all on there. Um, so feel free to visit that page. And then I consult out of Epworth Hospital in Richmond in Melbourne um, for essentially for hormone replacement therapy, if you're interested in. So those are my two contact sources. Beautiful. You might get a few more uh, contacts once this uh, podcast, uh, beautiful women on, on board are hearing it. So excellent. Wonderful. Well, I've got a bit of a long wait list, so but there's always room to see more. So no, thank you. Um, and again, well done and congrats on creating this great platform. I think you're the first one in Australia who's talking about the perimenopause. So that's excellent. Thank you. Um, I think there's a lot of appetite and thirst for this. And, and again, looking at it as a more holistic model is really important rather than polarizing it into completely natural and completely medicalizing it. It just doesn't serve anyone. Yeah. Very well said. Well, thank you so much. We really do appreciate your time. Thank you again. I hope the listeners enjoyed it. Thanks, Fatima. Thanks again for sharing your time with us, learning how you can be your best energetic self no matter what life stage you are going through. Be sure to contact us if any of this content resonates with you. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any of our future episodes. See you next time.